Stephen said two things as he died. The first thing he said was, Lord Jesus, take my life or receive my spirit. And the second thing he said was, Lord Jesus, do not hold this sin against them. We're in Acts chapter 7 towards the end. I grew up in Amarillo, and maybe there wasn't enough to do in Amarillo, but we used to always have dirt clod fights. For some reason, we just... Or, and if there wasn't dirt clods to throw, then we would do yucca, in the springtime, we'd do yucca pods. Have you ever seen the yucca, the blooming flower? They produce this seed pod, and they're green. When they're green, it's like this baseball. So we'd have these yucca pod fights. And, I, and for whatever reason, what crazy reason, we used to have like dirt clod fights and yucca pod fights. I ran construction sites. I have no idea why that was the case. And so there's always a lot of like, brick scraps, and I remember my friend and I running around throwing stuff at each other, and I just decided, oh, I'll throw a brick over the brick pile, which I did, and I heard, oh, obviously when you throw a brick at somebody and it hits them in the head, it causes a lot of damage. And I mean, that's the closest thing I've ever had in my life of thinking, oh, what have I done to this poor soul? Well, with Stephen, it wasn't fun and games. And with Stephen, it's this, the stoning of Stephen is really the climax of a conflict that has been building since the death and the resurrection of Jesus. It's not just this isolated event that suddenly happens. Stephen is before the religious establishment, the Sanhedrin, primarily the Sadducees, who are the custodians of the temple, who are really threatened by this growing number of Jews that are following Jesus. Now he's standing before them, the same place that Jesus stood, the same place that Peter stood, that Peter and John stood, the same place that the apostles stood, and there just seems to be this ratcheting up. Obviously from the crucifixion, Jesus was crucified by a religious establishment that was threatened by what he was saying and by who he was. The apostles come along and, they, and there is this, stop it, stop it. We're going to throw you in jail. We're going to beat you. We're telling you to stop it, stop it. Stop. And so there's just this continuing thing. And I just wanted to remind us that the, there's, just, there's this history of this, cl- this conflict that's growing. And it really centers on what the Word of God is. And I, I do believe that the Bible is the Word of God. I think the Bible makes that claim about itself. I think historically, I mean, I think there's good science. I think there's all kinds of good things. This, this, is, this is what God wants us to have, to read and to learn some things about Him. It's not the only thing. That, that teaches us about God, but it's a great textbook for us. It's a great history book. I mean, it's, it's a lot, I mean, there's a lot about the Bible. But at this time in history, Stephen and the apostles are getting, getting in trouble for the word of God, which is the, the story of Jesus. They're, they're not talking about the creation of the world or revelation, the end of the, 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 the age. They're talking about Jesus, <laughs> And they're talking about Jesus in two ways. One, Jesus is the fulfillment of the promises that God made through the prophets, that there would be a king that's coming, and Jesus is that king. And Jesus, as a king, represents a kingdom. The kingdom of God is near. 
So if you just back up with that, if you just follow that track, what's happening is that in Acts 1, where we started our story, during the 40 days after the crucifixion, Jesus appeared. The apostles from time to time, he proved to them in ways that, that he, in many ways, that he, he's alive. So Stephen, Peter, John, the apostles, the growing number of people, they know that Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. Yes, we, we saw him die on the cross, but we now know his tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. And in those days, Jesus talked to them about the kingdom of God. That was the primary mission of Jesus, was to inaugurate the kingdom of God on the earth. And that's what he taught them about. And that's what they got excited about. And then Jesus said, you know, wait, hang out in Jerusalem until you receive power from the Holy Spirit And when he comes upon you, you'll be able to be my witnesses. You'll you'll be able to tell my story. You'll be able to tell people I'm alive. And you'll be able to tell people about the kingdom of God with this compelling invitation to come along with us. It's this power that that happens. Well, from our story, we know that happens at, at the day that's called Pentecost. And so there was this mighty wind. There was this sound. There was this presence There was this manifestation of what looked like flames of fire. And all of a sudden, all of these Galilean, Hebrew-speaking, Aramaic-speaking people are speaking an assortment of languages, and the people that are there are going, that is really different. And we're hearing them proclaiming the wonders of God in our own language. So what are they proclaiming? The wonders of God are the resurrection of Jesus. Jesus is alive. And the the kingdom of God is here. That's what they're proclaiming. And all who heard that were just astonished. And then Peter, his words pierced their hearts. Now, it's not just Peter's word. I mean, Peter didn't even spend the night before preparing a message. I mean, it was a spontaneous message empowered by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit gave him the ability to communicate in a way that actually just cut to the quick in the hearts and the minds of people. Yet 3,000 Jews changed their mind about Jesus in a 45-second message. That's power. Then then you begin to see this, this conflict that's happening because as Peter... And the other apostles are showing up at the temple. Uh, One of the ways that Jesus manifested his activity on the earth is that a lame man's healed. And then then you've got Peter and the lame man and John. They're in trouble in front of the Sanhedrin. And when the members of the council looked in, they saw boldness. These guys are really bold. And then when they come back from being beaten and told not to do what they're doing, then this is what the community of believers prayed. Oh, Lord, hear their threats. Give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word, preaching that Jesus is alive, preaching that the kingdom is here. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook. They're all filled by the Holy Spirit with power so that they preach the story of Jesus. 
with boldness. And so can you just kind of feel things are ratcheting up? That here's a community of people that cannot be persuaded. No, we, we know what we know. We've met, we've met the risen, he's resurrected. How do you, how do we not represent the resurrected Lord? We've, we've talked to him. He's shown up. He's taught us about his, how do we stop telling others about that? Then you have Stephen coming along in Acts chapter 6 and 7. He was one of the seven that were selected to take care of the widows. He was well respected. And he was a man that was full, fully influenced by the Holy Spirit would be a great way to say that. He was relying upon this empowerment that's not just human. An empowerment to do what he was doing. And he's also full of wisdom. So he's a man full of faith, full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, influenced by God, full of God's grace. And he's performing amazing miracles and signs among the people. So he's telling the story of Jesus. Jesus is alive. He's talking about the kingdom of God. And then God in heaven says, that's my message. I'm going to confirm that message with these miraculous signs and wonders. God's activity on the earth demonstrating his kingdom. So all of that's moving us towards this conflict that Stephen and the apostles are having. And then we find ourselves, you know, Stephen's now arrested. He's spent a night in jail, and now he's being asked, okay, you've been accused of speaking against the law, speaking against the temple. What do you have to say for yourself? So Stephen goes through this, he kind of starts with the common ground. You know, brothers, sisters of Israel, here's the story of Israel. This is where God's been in our story. You know, and things are rocking along. He's probably kind of convincing people that maybe he's not as big a threat until he gets to this paragraph. And he is empowered by the Holy Spirit to speak the truth in a way that is like, woo. You stubborn people. You're a heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law even though you received it from the hands of angels. Wow, scathing. That that did not win Stephen any friends. He's speaking the truth, and he's empowered by the Holy Spirit, but the religious establishment in Jerusalem just goes nuts. I mean, he's basically saying, you know, you're in a dead-end religion. You've become so stubborn. That even when God shows up, you don't recognize him. You're uncircumcised, which would have been just inflammatory language to a Jew, who the sign of, of, of entering into the covenant of Abraham was circumcision. For him to say, you're, you know, you may be circumcised, you know, we're there, you know, we're that, but your heart and your ears aren't. That would have been really like, wow. You're opposing the Holy Spirit. You're resisting the Holy Spirit. You're persecuting the prophets. You're murdering those 
who announced the coming of the just one. Jesus is that just one. And not only do you murder those that are announcing that, you're mur- you murdered him. You murdered the Messiah because your, your religion has just blinded you to true and genuine revelation in the ongoing plan of God. Well, this is the response of the religious. The Jewish leaders, the Sanhedrin, the religious, those that were locked into the religion, not in relationship with God, not really in relation with revelation that God is turning what God gave them into something that it was not meant to be. Those religious leaders, they were infuriated by Stephen's accusation. They shook their fists at him in rage. Then they put their hands over their ears and they begin to shout. And they rushed at him. And they dragged him out of the city. And they began to stone him. Stephen's accusers took off their coats so that wouldn't hinder their throwing. And they laid their cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul. And as they stoned him, Stephen says two things. Lord, Lord Jesus, take my life. Receive my spirit. I'm at the threshold of death. And I want you to take my life. I don't want these people throwing stones at me to take my life. I want you. My life is yours. You, you receive my life, Jesus. And as the stones kept coming, he said loud enough, Lord Jesus, don't charge them with this sin. It's another way of saying, Jesus, forgive them. Forgive them. They, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And Stephen died. He died. He was stoned to death by a religious mob. I'd like to suggest to you that Stephen is not the first Christian martyr. Nobody's called Christian yet in this story. There's no Christian doctrine. There's no Christian church. Stephen was a Jew who started to follow Jesus the Messiah, and he was killed by the religious establishment of Judaism, the same establishment that killed Jesus. So as I think about that, and I think about this event, I mean, you have this contrast here between the very religious and the righteous 
And I begin to think about us as a community of people, and I begin, and, and I kind of broaden out, and I just kind of think about the things I read, whether they be on Facebook or whether they be in the news, the conversations that I'm a part of, and it, and it just leads me to some questions. And the first question is, how religious are we? How religious are we as a community? How religious is the church that exists on the planet that's connected with a Stephen and the apostles? And the, the way I, I would, you know, I just would keep asking questions. And the first question is that is, are we angry? Are we known as being angry people? And we're angry because we're threatened. We don't like what's happening around us. Or we don't like those that seem to be bringing something undesirable into our life. And then I, then I, just, I mean, are we people that are covering our ear? I don't, I don't, I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear that. I don't want to hear that. No, no, I don't want to hear that. I can't believe it. I don't want to hear that. That goes against everything. I, I don't want to hear that. And then are we people that in our anger and in our stubbornness and our deafness, are we ready to stone people? We might, well, no, I'm not, no, I'm not literally ready to stone. Well, really? A week does not go by in my world. I mean, I, I, don't, I, mean, I don't want to just dump this on you. But every week, I talk to someone who says, I'm following Jesus, and they are a very angry person. I mean, I have people in my own family. I had an awkward conversation this week with somebody in my family about the threat of Islam in England and Europe. And I'm going, we, you know, we have a family member that lives in England. And what that particular news channel is reporting is not true. So we go through this whole thing again. That there's this anger. You know, they're out to get us. We're threatened by them. Or it's the government. Or it's secularism. I, you know, there's just these, these things that the church that Jesus started, that just it seems to be full of angry people. And in my conversation, I, I just, look, I, I've read some of this stuff. No, I don't want to hear it. That's not what they're saying. But I, you, how, 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 how much proof do you want? I don't want any. I don't want to hear it. They all got to be evil. They all got to be bad. And I've heard more than once somebody said, well, we ought to just nuke the boop. Just nuke them. That's a big stone. You see what religion can do to us? It can do that to us. I'm sorry, you're my only friends. You're the only ones I get to complain to. Because I want more and more of us, when we run into people who say I'm a Christian and I'm following Jesus and then they come out with this stuff that's just venom and it's angry 
And it's refusing to listen to the facts. And they're saying stuff like, I, I call upon the president to preemptively strike Iran. What in the world are you talking about if you represent Jesus? And I, there's, there's got to be more of us that say, no, that's not Jesus. That's not the gospel of the kingdom. That's not what the New Testament is about. So I'm recruiting you to not be religious. I mean, to resist it at all cost. Because we need to be righteous like Stephen. You know, we got to be bold. With the boldness of the Holy Spirit to tell our generation, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. And the kingdom is near. The last time I had a conversation with a, a, a Muslim tow truck driver, he went down, he, before I said anything, he told me everything he believed about Jesus. Except Jesus is not the Son of God. Well, I didn't start hating him at that moment. I just said, well, well why don't we just become friends? Because I bet you know how to make falafels. <laughs> and I bet you know how to make hummus. And my friend said, I do. I said, well, I, would, you, would, you like, would you like teach me? Because maybe if we became friends, and you could, you could tell me what you believe. I'm so tired of others telling me what Muslims believe. I'd like you, would you be my Muslim friend? And would you tell me what you believe? Because if you tell me what you believe, guess what? I get to tell you what I believe. But I can do it out of kindness. And I can do it out of respect. And I can do it out of security. My friends, Jesus, Jesus is, is alive. Nobody's going to convince me that Jesus is not alive. Nobody's going to convince me that the gospel that I believe is not the truth. I'm totally secure in that. And so I can make friends with those that are perceived to be enemies. And in that, tell them about Jesus at some point. That's who we are. That's who Stephen is. And I can say, Jesus... I want to have the love that you had, that you gave your life for those that you love. I don't want to take life. I want to give my life for something bigger than me. That's who the followers of Jesus are. Jesus on the cross, Stephen... At the end of being stoned, Father, forgive them. I want to forgive 
those that do the atrocities in our world. And I'm not there yet, but I know that God doesn't say, well, Scott, you know, you can, why don't you, you can forgive that enemy, but why don't you just keep hating that enemy? It'll be okay to keep hating. God didn't let me off the hook. There's not certain enemies I can forgive and certain men, I mean, it's all of them and together. See, this is where we need each other in a community of people. You know, if I ever stood in front of you and said, we need to hate Muslims and we need to, we need to consider them the, the, the scourge of the planet and we need to beware of them, you, you ought to come to me and say, you know, pal, you don't change what you're saying. I'm out of here because that's just lies. And if you do that to me, guess what I'm going to do to you? Same thing. Again, we can do it respectfully, but we've we got to stop not following Jesus. And Jesus leads us to some hard places. This is like the bar is being raised. Are we going to live up to it? Which means, Jesus, I want to give my life if that's what it takes for the secular world, the Muslim world, the Hindu world, the whatever, whatever perceived threat, I want to give my life if that's what it takes so that other people know that Jesus is the life and, and that the kingdom has come. Friends, do, do, we, do we know some of our history? Do we know that some of our forefathers sold themselves into slavery so they could get to the new world to tell people about Jesus? Whoa! That's not feeling comfortable on Sunday morning, is it? How bold are we to proclaim that Jesus is alive and the kingdom is near. Take my life. Take my life, Lord. Don't take the life of others. Take my life. And Father, forgive. Forgive them for they know not what they do. My friends, to me, Stephen announcing the just one, Stephen announcing the righteous one, became righteous. And Stephen, at the end of his life, is living a righteous life. That's who I want us to be. That's who I want to be. And that's who I want us as a community to be. That's, this is what, I want the church in our world, in our, that's what I want us to be. Some recruiting. Is this what we want? Well, if it is, then we, we need to ask for help because it doesn't come naturally. So why don't we stand together and ask the God of the heavens for three things. Let's ask the same God that's answering prayers that we're reading about. Let's ask him for boldness. Holy Spirit, give us boldness to proclaim Jesus.
to proclaim the kingdom is near. Give us boldness. Holy Spirit, give us love. Give us a love for those that we perceive to be enemies that we would give our lives for others rather than ever want to take the life of another. And give us forgiveness. Give us mercy. Those are the three things I would like for him to give us. And I know we we can't give that to each other. We have to ask him. So, Lord, in this moment, in this remembrance of Stephen, as Stephen faced hate, as he faced stones, as he faced death, to have the presence to say, Oh, Lord, receive my life. Oh, Lord, forgive. In that, and just in that remembrance, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would give to us boldness. Boldness. To proclaim Jesus, the risen one, the righteous one, the king, to proclaim him to our generation. Give us boldness, Holy Spirit, to proclaim the kingdom is near. Fill us with boldness to proclaim. And God of love, fill us with your love. Fill us, Holy Spirit, with love. Pour the love of God into our heart that we would give our lives for others. If that's what it takes, if we're in that position, say, Lord, take our life. Don't take the life of others. That others might come to know Jesus. Fill us with your love. And finally, Lord, fill us with forgiveness. Remind us of the mercy that you have shown us again and again and again and again. And Lord, would we forgive others who do not know what they're doing, fill us with forgiveness, Lord. Lord, as you influence us with your rule and your reign, as you influence us with your person, Lord, empower us to influence others, to influence others that say they're following Jesus, but they're their actions, their words, their anger are betraying the very one that they say they love. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the life of Stephen. And thank you that the impact of his death can change the course of our life. We bless you and we thank you in your name.